Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideOfDetroit.com. Eric, I'm sure, as everybody's listening already knows, the Lions fell to the San Francisco 49ers 34-31 in the NFC Championship game last Sunday. Um, Lions held a 24-7 advantage in, at halftime and gave up 27 consecutive points in the second half. Of the big chunk of damage was done in the the, the, the third quarter. Or the yep. 49ers outscored the Lions 17-0. Third quarter's been an issue for the Lions all season, really exposed itself last Sunday. What are, we were just today is gonna be a little different than our normal show. We're just gonna go over the game and our thoughts and a little bit of the overview, and then we'll be getting into all the off-season stuff in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, you know, it was uh it was a uh a tough game. Um I think brutal. Well, you know, I I think it, I I think it was brutal because of the way it occurred, right? Right. Like right. like if if they hadn't have jumped out to a lead, I don't think it would have been as as hard, right? right. Like if, if it, was, it a, was a back and forth and they lost yeah. 34-31, be like, "Oh, they, it, they gave it their best crack." You know? Exactly. Exactly. And so I think getting out to a lead and then and then and then allowing them to come back in and then eventually get the win. I think that hurts, makes it hurt a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I still, I still stand on the fact that it's better than like how some of the other teams finish their playoff runs, like Dallas Jeez, and Baltimore. Right side on this one. Just, All right, keep going. I'm Let me saying, hear this. I'm just saying like, like, like Dallas just didn't show up. Like right, Baltimore almost basically didn't show up. Like, right. would you have, like, would you rather be a Lions fan or a Cowboys fan right now? You know what I mean? Like the Cowboys, Cowboys are just the championship game. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and the Cowboys were terrible. Like, and they just, they got, they just didn't, they just, there was no effort. Like at least the Lions like were fighting tooth and nail. And like, Even I, during I, the meltdown, they were fighting. It was just, everything was going wrong. Yeah, it was uh, a couple of just uncharacteristic mistakes that they just couldn't overcome, and it was a it was a um, a combination of those, right? Like it wasn't just like one thing that that did them in. It was multiple things. It was a, a Josh Reynolds drop on fourth down. It was a, a Josh mm-hmm. Reynolds drop on third down. It was missing Amon Ra uh, when Jared Goff rolled out, and then he couldn't find Amon Ra on on, on a fourth down a fumble in the red zone, an interception on the goal line that bounces off his mask. And then, and then the guy ends up making a 50 yard catch, right? Like just so many different things individually, I think weren't terrible, but when right. you put them Not all over, together and yeah. like a short period of time, it just, it, it was just too much. And it was, like I said, some of these things are uncharacteristic. Josh Rose was a steady player for most of the year. Uh, and then has two drops at the most inconvenient times uh, possible. Jameer Gibbs doesn't fumble, and he fumbles. And um, you know, like that interception, or should that would have been should have been an interception turned into a reception. That's just that was just freaky. Like it was just freaky. Uh, Some would uh, say there's a curse on this team. <laughs> I don't know who they are. But uh, you know, like their little swings in um like if you're like if you're looking at like win probability okay, right well, they were seen, like I, i'm sure everybody's seen this chart over the week yeah like and so 91%. it's like one percent yeah and then like it's a it's a little bit 
you know, it's like 3%, 2%, and it doesn't seem, and it's not much on its own, but then when you, you add them up and all of a sudden it's like big problems. And, 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 and that's really the thing. Like, I know it's a, it's a really hard way to lose. Um, but I walked away from that game. Uh, I'm feeling okay. Like I, I was, I was happy that they went on the run that they did. I thought they exceeded my expectations for the season. Right. Um, it was like I said, uncare. It wasn't like it was like the game wasn't ended on a, on a botched referee decision, which was, you know, comforting, um, <laughs> which we've seen that playoff games end right. like that before. Yep. Um, and I thought they, they played their hearts out and, and I think they can learn from this and they're returning a lot of core players. And so overall for me, um, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to say it didn't hurt cause it, it definitely hurt, but I just, I was, I was more okay with the hurt because I can, I, I could see how you can utilize it. I can see how you can harness that feeling moving forward. And yes, things are going to change and we're going to get into that in future podcasts, how things are going to change. But, um, just for me, it just, I was happy with the overall product that was on the field. And that's how I kind of like walk. That's how I left San Francisco feeling like very proud of, of, of what that team had accomplished and, and, and excited for, you know, being able to be a part of that. I agree. When you mentioned that, you know, the team exceeded expectations, we said it all along that winning the division and winning one playoff game would be, you know, a good next step in the trajectory of the franchise. But what we ended up learning in the end is that the Super Bowl window isn't just cracked open. It's wide open, right? Yeah. Like that was yep. kind of the expectation for next year was to raise things up. But, you know, and the yep. expectation between you and I also changes, you know, it changed by halftime because you, you go into halftime and you're like, well, now the expectation is this team to make it to the <laughs> Super Bowl. Right. right. And, you know, like I, 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 I wasn't sitting there overconfident that they were going to end up doing it, but, um, yeah, but that's that's where we're at. You know, they they could make the Super Bowl and they could do it in short order, and maybe they won't. You know, Campbell said the right thing afterwards, where he mentioned that he, you know, he told his guys that you know they may, may never be there again because that's true. We've seen right. a bunch of examples over the last twenty years, over the last fifty-eight years of teams that'll make it to that conference title game. They look like things are are pointing upwards, and they end up never getting there again. So yeah, so. Yeah, it's you know it, it stunk that they lost, and uh, it, it, you know I don't I, I don't know how much it really bothers you. I'm sure there's people that'll be listening to this. They're still extremely bothered by what sure, happened in the game. Sure, uh, but you know, all in all, they 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 did what we wanted them to do this season, and you know they yeah. they fell short once once our the world started to change. Right. I I tell you, I agree with you in the mentality within the building needing to be nothing is given to you and you there's no guarantees that you'll be back next year. Right. And that means you have to go. Especially with and, the young team. Work. Yes. That absolutely has to be the mentality from a broader perspective of how uh, being able to step back outside of the building and, and look at the, where, what the team is. I'm left very optimistic though, because you have a team who is in the top six in salary cap space. They're in the top six in um, off-season uh, resources, like draft picks and everything, right? They're in the top six uh, for having youth on the roster that contribute. 
um, to the team that youth is coming back. The leadership is coming back. We'll get into, you know, a little bit later about like the coordinators all coming back as well. Mm -hmm. And so you have, you have this foundation of a coaching staff foundation of a front office and foundation of a team all cemented and returning. And then you have all of this ability to bring in or even return or keep, you know, uh, some of your youth with all of this capital, whether it's, um, you know, draft picks or, or just, you know, salary cap space. And so you have all of this at your, disposal here that they're going to be going to go into this offseason and they're going to be able to make some some uh you know decisions to solidify this team's future and so they can get better that's the thing like this was not a complete team and if they would have made the super bowl they would have they there were big holes on the team there's an opportunity to improve those holes right like there's Mm -hmm. they're going to have that ability and and so when you add in the fact that it's like you have all of those core elements in place, plus the funding to get this team better. Like it, it reminds me of like how this is how teams are built. Like this is how you see teams have sustained success. And so I don't think they're going to be a flash in the pan, even though the mentality has to be. Hey, we might be just be a flash in the pan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it is because I see like, Joe, for 20 years, we have talked about the fact that there is a right way to build an NFL team in a wrong way. And there's like, we see the wrong way 90% of the time, yeah, right? The time. Every offseason, right? Because most most franchises, and Lions were even one of them at different periods. Yes. And it's this yes. quick turnaround that's not like thought out. It's just, well, if we make moves X, Y, and Z, like maybe we'll make the playoffs next year, but it's really right. not like, well, what about the year after that, the year after that, whatever. Their ability, to, the foresight that Sheila Hamp had to be able to say, we're going to give our core decision makers and Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell five and six year contracts and allow them multiple years to build it the right way is pain paying off now right like right. you're not seeing that 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 you know they, there was not a need for an immediate turnaround it was let's do it the right way and th- i feel like this is the right way this is the way we've talked about for for years for two decades we've said if you're going to rebuild a roster this is the way to do it and they have and and so like i can remember when 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 Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes were hired going on radio shows um, locally and nationally. And like though they were saying like, what's the, what's the expectation. And I said, in year three, by year three, they want to be competitive. And I got laughed at. And then they were like, (laughs) Oh, you think they're willing to wait three years for a team to be competitive. And I'm like, yes, the way that this team is being structured and built and everything we're being told is they're hoping to be competitive for the playoffs in year three and it turns out they're just ahead of that curve yeah they were competitive in year two right you right know, they felt yes. just short of the playoffs in the last week and certainly right. this year they were more than competitive to make the playoffs uh and again but that was that was the direction 
from the beginning. And like people laughed, people laughed. They're like, Oh, that's not the way the NFL works. But like, and it does. And honestly, it's not, well, that's it not does, the way it, the NFL it, no, works. No. Yeah. For, but like, there's a lot of, there's a handful of good franchises where that's exactly how it works. And they put themselves right. in position over decades where yes, they don't have to do it the lion's way because they've been doing it there. You know, the green Bay Packers have done it since 1990, you know, like that's when they started the three year turnaround and they've just kept that going. Same thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers and roughly that Ravens. same time frame. Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens they're, they're these French and even uh, the lesser extent, Kansas city, but like, Mm-hmm. These are franchises that are just good all the time. And because right. they put in an effort at a certain point where it's like, oh, you know, like there's no quick fixes with those teams. They're constantly right. building all the time. And I think that's where the Lions want to be too. And I don't, I would prefer that over the way the other teams are doing it. You know? No, certainly a hundred percent. And like all those, sorry, I was going to say some would argue with the Buccaneers by just going out and signing Tom Brady and then winning the Super Bowl. But they have put <laughs> some work in developing young talent as well. They just added that last piece to go over the top. Go go back to you. No, right. No, I agree with you. And like there's certain teams like where you get to a situation where you you might be a piece or two away, but like you don't have that ability to sustain, have sustained success. And by doing it the way the Lions did, it's very emblematic of somehow some of those teams that are consistently good year after year, how they've gotten to that point. Like, I really think they're putting themselves in a position to be successful for a decade. You know what I mean? It's this doesn't look like a, you know, a, a year from now we're going to be talking about like is the Dan Campbell, you know, experiment over type of thing. Like it doesn't, doesn't, it feels totally different. It looks different. You've seen the results. You've seen the way that they react. You've seen their, how they've addressed obstacles and then overcome those obstacles. And it's just, it leaves you with an optimism that they have put themselves in the spot where moving forward, they're going to have a, uh, a, a team that's going to be competitive for a long time not just not just the one-year wonder thing all right now well let's talk about the game a little bit first okay. how how did you get to the game eric how did that work out if we didn't we didn't mention it in the previous podcast because it was still <laughs> up in the air whether we were yeah. gonna, we were going to go or not but you made it out there to levi stadium and, and and saw it all for yourself i i did you know i um we're not used to working as hard into the playoffs right uh, because it, you usually when the season is over, we haven't had the playoff, uh, you know, you got to train for it. Right. Uh, and so like from a, uh, from a coverage standpoint, it was a lot harder uh, because I had so much more to do with the playoffs. And so I, I booked the trip on a Saturday afternoon so that I could uh, spend some time with the family in the morning, not have to leave in a rush and then just take my time getting out there. And in my mind, I've been working hard. I'm going to have maybe half a day to just kind of like take a breath and relax. Uh, and boy, was I wrong. Uh, I did not, <laughs> I did not get any break at all. It was unbelievable. Like how intense and quick moving everything was. Um, I flew out there and uh you know lots of lions fans in the uh in the airport right um sat next to some lions fans on 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 each of my legs of my flights and um uh, you know i get into san fran and it's 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 kind of late 
And, um, you know, I spend late the next Saturday couple night. late Saturday night. Yep. Um, about midnight or, uh, Eastern time. And I'm, you know, I spend the next couple hours, basically I have to finish a couple of article, put some, you know, bows on some articles for the morning. And I just spend a couple hours, just, just relax, you know, trying to like get my things done and, and relax. And then I wake up the next morning thinking this is my break. And, uh, it was not, it was, uh, very fast moving, more stuff to write. Um, we have to leave earlier for the game. Uh, candles, uh, candlestick. I said it again. I did candlestick again. Yeah, candlestick. Bar. But, uh, you know, you got to get down to Santa. You got to get down to Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Um, very, a very cool, uh, stadium. And, uh, but not very organized. <laughs> um, right. They like with the lions, they have two media entrances, one on each side of the, uh, the stadium. Uh, and Santa Clara is one media entrance and it's all the way on, on one side. And then obviously with the way you said that the opposite side of where you were, the opposite side of where they put us. Yeah. So like they tried to, the way that you have to go in is because of like how things are, are organized. You only have like, you can only enter the parking lot from like one general area and that you go in with all the fans excuse me all everybody's congregating into this one like funneling system and it's like eight rows of cars across and we are on coming from the left side so we're on the left and uh the media entrance is on the right which we don't know and we and so when we get up to the gates like there's no signs for media or anything and so like they're like oh you're supposed to be on the right side not the left side so now you just have to go in with the general public and uh regardless it's it, it's very unorganized we ended up on the opposite side of where we needed to go but it was like chaos in there like they had a really cool atmosphere um they had you know like jeans everywhere well you know yeah they were all very comfortable in the warm weather um but you know like in detroit how you have like these little pockets of uh of tailgating right uh, all over different parts of the uh, around surrounding the right. the, the like Ford Field Eastern State. Market down to downtown, yeah, yeah. whatever. Lots yeah. of lots of really cool Pockets spots of stuff there. going on, yeah. Right, uh, but it's not like that here in Santa Clara. It's basically lot, just right? one big parking lot that everybody goes into, and they just set their tailgates up in the parking lot, and they had like music and atmosphere. It was really, it was really an interesting, you know, a new. A, a new look uh, from what I what I guess I'm used to, but it's it's kind of cool. Uh, I still prefer Detroit. The little pockets, a little, little bit more intimate, a little bit more fun. Well, because yeah, it was something the stadium shoehorned into a city, whereas like mm-hmm. Santa Clara lured the 49ers out of the city and, and you know right. into the deep. I, I don't even know if Santa Clara is technically a suburb of uh, San Francisco. It might be a suburb of San Jose, right? Like it's right, but it's out there and it, it's suburbia and you could build a take a grab a big old plow of land and, and put a big yep. stadium and a giant parking lot in, right? Uh and the way the stadium's built is um you know it's outdoor, right? Um and they basically just go vertical with everything. Like in Detroit, you've got your lower bowl, your upper bowl, and then like uh your third tier. Whereas like in, in Santa Clara, it goes like all the way up to like level seven, like they're way up there. Like they're up there at the same level with the press box. Uh, but it, you know, it gives you unique angles and stuff like that. Uh, it was nice weather and, um, you know, it was just overall a, a fun experience to, uh, to get down there. 
Um, the only thing, another thing I didn't like is they have like they have uh, glass, uh, like plexiglass. The press box is like windowed in, so mm-hmm. you don't really get the full fan. The experience. sound, yeah, right. Like in Detroit, you get to you can feel oh, that. There's no weather to deal with, so you can leave no windows and just leave it all exposed because sure, snow is not going to fly. I mean, you don't have to worry about snow as much as it, but like there's no rain and wind blowing into the press. Right. Box. Well, like and, and like um. Like with Detroit, like you can feel the crowd. Like you know, like Detroit's setting decibel re- levels with their yeah, like, no, no, no. like you can feel it in the press box. It's intense. It's it's enjoyable. Um, this it's more um, static, right? Like it's like you're you're boxed in, so you have a nice, quiet, working atmosphere. Uh, but you really don't get to to embrace the um, the atmosphere as well as you do, and that's just. You know, that's part of the... That's just you comes. being more of a, a man of the people. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that's a that's a, that's a a fun part of the game. And so... Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I got to imagine it was super fun. Lots of blue in the stadium. Um, yeah, which that, was that's nice surprising. We talked about that, you know, I thought that probably 20%, right? Or inching towards 25. At, at least. I would say maybe oh, more. Wow. Um, the first... Well, here's the thing, Jared because Goff chance you could hear him um, because because they go the stands go like basically like almost vertical um, instead of like being this like kind of gradual, uh, you know, seating arrangement. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Ford Field holds sixty five thousand. Right. Um, this uh, stadium held like sixty eight thousand. Mm-hmm. But they had to go all the way up to a seventh level instead of just three where so Ford field has this gradual uh, incline of, of people. So you're closer to the, to the action, San Fran, it's almost like straight up. And so um, they got to, in order to squeeze that many people in, they don't have, they didn't have the space to, to, to take it out gradually. So it's just like, you're almost like right up. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you can't, see like the home sideline is clearly so all i did was i was looking at like the lions you could see the line sideline clearly you can see all the fans and behind the line sideline and that's where most of the blue is right like most of the lions fans so like when i was looking over there if 20 percent of the sixty thousand people they were probably all on the Lions sideline so right. from, mm-hmm. from my perspective it looked like boy that's a lot more than 20 percent. so um but it, man they showed up um, they were the first ones in the building. Literally, literally the first fans I saw walk no into the stands. To do. There's business what, to be taken. Exactly. Care of. They came in. Yes, exactly. Uh, so the first first fans in the state in the seats were Lions fans, and uh, it was impressive. It was it was very impressive uh, to be able to make that trip, go to the game. And uh, I'm sure that was super exciting for the people who got to attend. As we talked about, there's probably transplants, Michigan transplants out right, in California yeah, yep, too that that yep. that were you know didn't have to Drove. make the trip. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but man, it was a fun atmosphere, and I tell you, the uh, it did feel like a different game, right? Like it wasn't just it wasn't just uh, like a, a big home a, game or just a playoff game. It was right. A like championship this was a big, game, championship exactly. level game, and you could you could feel it. You could feel that that intensity, and and, and so it was everything. It was everything you could have wanted. And for a team that hasn't been Except for there, the winning, 
well right right except for the end um but the the ambiance the atmosphere the uh the 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 what was on the line it was all really fun and you end up not yeah the result isn't what you want and but i think again the being able to experience that from a, from a team standpoint like and from a fan standpoint like it's this is like there's a lot to learn from this there's a lot of like i know what this is like i want to get back there and and the players in the locker room were i talked to i tried to talk to a lot of them candidly because i knew i wasn't going to make it back for um the end of season stuff so i knew this was the last time i was going to see some of the guys and they were all almost all of them were like i'm ready to start working tomorrow type of thing you know what i mean like like they were they were very focused um on what they needed to do and i think campbell's message resonated with them being in this environment resonated with them and like i said with and it was a it's a fun experience for the for the fans and it's it's something that they're going to want out of this team moving forward the expectations are going to be higher and so the whole experience of uh of getting down there i think has a ton of value and uh, for a fan base for the um you know for the team as a whole and i'm sure watching it at home on tv was was you could equally you know feel yeah, you how could feel it through cool the tv yeah. yeah you could tell it was a a big time game big time championship game they they did throw up you you mentioned this a little while ago the mm-hmm. the graphic of championship game experience between the two teams you know it was oh, only yeah. three lions game you know player games and then san francisco it's like 63 player games now of course that's changed you know big time the lions now mm-hmm. you know it's now 56 games of championship experience or you know what it was 48 right 45 mm-hmm. dressed on game day or 46 sorry um so even though you uh, were jet lagged, yeah. Possibly vertigo. You, you kept talking about the uh, the verticality of the stadium. Maybe you suffer started suffering from vertigo. <laughs> you had a very positive experience at the uh, yeah and the, yeah, except, and the losing, the, except uh, the, for you know, the depression yeah. that comes with the loss. You had a good. There was a positive experience. Yeah, I mean, look, I we Jeremy and I wrote for about four hours after the game. And then we recorded a podcast for the PODD subscribers. Um, Then we got home and we had back to our hotel. And then we had to write again because we knew we'd be traveling all day. So I think we slept about an hour to an hour and a half that night. That's probably what that's probably normal. Early flight flight got delayed. Uh, once we got to Chicago, the Chicago (laughs) curse was a nightmare. Um, flight got delayed, flight got delayed, boarded. Then they deboarded the plane, Mm. put us on it. They, uh, well, then they delayed it again and then delayed it a second time again. And then a third time, then they boarded us again and then deboarded us off a second plane. And at this point I'm on Twitter screaming about it about how chicago is uh you know trying to keep us you know the, the, like the the bears are running the airport or something right bears and the airport. Uh, <laughs> this is the john candy steve martin scenario right you guys are living and a lot of people said like why didn't you just get in a car, right in car. Yep. because like we were like three hours delayed at this point and yep. missed and put on drive, and right? taken off yeah but like we were also on an hour and a half of sleep 
and I don't would not have trusted myself to drive. Uh, so yes, so it was, yeah, it was, it was like a, a comedy of errors in the, in O'Hare airport in Chicago there. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that experience wasn't fun and the lack of sleep was hard and the losing was not fun, but the overall, I think experience of, of going for anybody who, who went was a, a, a positive one overall, because like I said, it's, it's setting expectations high and, uh, and, and giving you a taste of, of, you know, what's possible because I, I agree with how we started. This is, this is a, this, this Super Bowl window was very much just, it's wide open at this point. And, and the right. expectations are going to be that they're in the mix for it next year. All right. Now, are you part of the jinx for people that believe in jinxes? I am a curse man, not a jinx man. But sure. you know, the, as if people knows the jinx of I got to sit on the couch a certain way, I got to wear the, <laughs> the same T-shirt, I got to mm. do this or that. Obviously, you don't feel about sitting in the same spot because you're in a different stadium. But do you think there was enough power in all those people that were online at halftime, buying plane tickets, looking for plane tickets, looking for oh. hotel rooms in Las Vegas? Maybe you were, maybe you were part of this problem that like. <laughs> Just put all you just totally jinx the Lions during the half, possible or impossible. I, I'm on the impossible side, but it's got to be I, talked about. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I didn't book Vegas at halftime, but I did book San Francisco at halftime of the Bucks game. So oh, and you didn't jinx. So, see you, so you're part of the jinx because so, you didn't book the flight. That's very possible. <laughs> that's possible that I not booking the flight at halftime could have added to the problem. Um, I can tell you that in week 18, I let my daughters pick my outfit, uh, to wear to the game and, um, they, the lions won. So then I let them pick my outfit again for the playoff game and they picked the exact same outfit and I wore it and they won. And then again, bucks game, I let them pick the outfit again. They picked the exact same outfit again wore it and they won same scenario for the championship game i said all right girls here you go what am i going to wear and they picked the exact same outfit but because it was warm i didn't wear the top layer and so again i could have oh, played boy. into the jinx for that too yeah. so all that not wearing mojo uh not wearing the top layer not booking at halftime my apologies uh for those two egregious errors on on my end, right? No, no apologies necessary. We got to move oh. past it and just move on. <laughs> I thought I thought I thought I was I was out of something. Just I'm just gonna let my kids pick my outfits out every time and hope they match. Well, you should do that on a day to day basis, not just on I did, game day. <laughs> I my I had it a, simplifies I had a, your life. We had a like a daddy daughter dance with uh with Harper. I did I did it again. I just like all right. You pick out uh, this is it's I tell you it's very convenient. Um to just it's, it, you look you're increasing the efficiency of your own life. <laughs> it works. It works. Right. They they haven't done me wrong yet. So do you want to talk nuts and bolts in the game? Everybody saw this game. Everybody's been depressed. We talked, you know, there's been we we've talked about going for it. Well, we haven't talked about it, you know, going right. for it on fourth and threes, which a lot of people were incensed at the moment, you know, like kick mm -hmm. those field goals. But 
you know, sure. I, I always kind of say it in the camp, it's like, well, Badgley's not the greatest field. He's not guaranteed to make the 48-yarder from here. You know, Moody Correct. was on the same side of the field when he missed. And missed. And, yep, exactly. And he's, he's, he's a similar kicker. And then, you know, after the game, you might have had these stats right in front of you, but this is something, you know, we you know we had to get after the game that, you know, the Lions in fourth and three or less. And I would have guessed it would have been close to this. They were 18 of 21 on the season coming up to that point. You know, it's over an 80% clip. Um Badgley from that distance over the last five years, you know, the 48 yard field goal over the last five years, not in a dome and not in Denver, you know, he's only hitting 66% of the time. So percentages are, yeah, you go for it on that fourth and three. A lot of people say, you know, they, that's the momentum killer, but in a vacuum, in a vacuum, I guess, yes, but it's kind of weird that the meltdown begins there because so what they didn't get the fourth and three, they are in 49er territory, 49ers get decent, you know, decent field position out of it you wouldn't think that would be the backbreaker you know but then there's the huge 51 yard pass that bounces off kindle vildor's face mask and you know that of course adds to the momentum and then the momentum just goes over the top on the gibbs fumble you know like that's like wow that's things are totally out of control now you know but you wouldn't think that that one fourth and three that they would have lost that much momentum Right. Cause it's, well, they've done it three times during the mm-hmm. season where they didn't get that fourth and three. It's like, all right, we got to go out there and play defense. You still have a 24 to seven lead, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I it, and it hit him in the hands too. You know what I mean? Like it was right. Low, well, it was you know, away, but like Josh Reynolds is definitely not the, uh, you know, he's got to feel terrible about all this, but he's, he's the goat at this time. Let, not the good goat you. either, the bad goat. Right. Let me tell you. After the game, I'm a side notice here for a second. After the game, they exited a lot of players out of the building so that they didn't have to stay in the locker room uh, to to face the media. Okay, There's a couple young players that were exited so that they didn't have to deal with the media. Josh Reynolds did not exit. Josh Reynolds stood there. And the, the, the media went up. And immediately he was getting asked the tough questions and he stood there, he answered them heartfeltly and he took his medicine. They end the scrum and a second, and then like a minute later, a second media team comes up and then a new scrum starts again. So he goes up there, he he talks to them, he addresses all of the same questions again, a second time. And then the PR team comes in and, and shuts that down. He, and they they go away. About two minutes later, a third another media team comes up and a third scrum starts again. And he stood there and answered every question and and took it, the hard questions right in the face. And he was fine with them. And then when the third scrum was shut down, he turned towards his locker. And he put his hands on both sides of the locker and then he just hung his head. And I was like, I just felt awful for him. Like I was right. like, he's but he relived it. He's reliving it. How many times he'll relive right? it the rest of his life. Like, I'm sure. like you're only supposed to like, and, and, and etiquette from the media here is you're, you get one scrum and that's it. And then when it gets shut down after a certain period of time, and then you leave the player alone for him to have to take three waves of, of, of you know being asked about that and like it was hard 
It had to be hard for him. And I I felt I felt awful for him. Like I wanted to go up and talk to him and like at the end of the game, like I individually, like I said, I did with a few other guys. But when I saw him, like his he looked just defeated. And like my heart went out to him like as much as it could in that in that moment because he stood there. Look, this is a guy that doesn't have a contract next year that could have easily just walked away and no one would have thought anything differently. And he might've never had to face that question, any of those questions at all. And if he doesn't come back to Detroit, he never would have it. It's, it's gone. It's in his memory. He could have just avoided it, but he showed a lot of character to be able to take those questions on multiple times and just face them. And it was, it, it was, you could tell it was physically hard for him to, to, to do it, but he did it. And that, that is a high character professional individual. And like, that's something that a, not a lot of people, you know, I think are going to get to see. And, but that's also, I think a huge reason why this organization loves him so much because he is a high character, reliable guy. And, you know, we're going into the off season and people are going to talk about get rid of that bum. I don't want him back. Don't sign him. Like they're saying all these <laughs> names. Oh, they are. They're all there's it's already out there. It's like yep. he should have been cut after the first drop. Like, come on. <laughs> like there there's a lot of that. But like decisions about players are made due to a variety of play. things. Yeah. Right. And like unless they're a kicker. <laughs> right. That's the um but like that is a that is a character move on his part. And that's the type of character you want in your locker room, setting the right example and being, re, being accountable. That's going to go a long way. And so like, I was so impressed by him and uh, cause like I said, he could have avoided it and he didn't. And, and so I think he deserves to have that recognition for being, you know, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing that's going to get him resigned in my opinion, because like, and I don't care. I know people are going to complain about it and I don't care, but uh, <laughs> he's a, uh, he, he was, he's, he had a good season overall minus those last two. And, uh, and he's got the character to be a good leader for a young wide receiver group. All right. You know what? Rewind. You got to blame me for this one. Cause I should have t- taken us in order. I think that the meltdowns, the most important thing that happens in the game. So I guess we got to yeah. lead off with it, but going back to the first half where everything went right, we're mixing mm-hmm. the run in the past went to perfection. There's really nothing to say much yeah. about the first half. You know, and, and uh, defensively, you know, the game plan was right. You know, like, everything yes. went right until, um, you know, the second from last, well, the last drive of the half, because the Niners get the ball for, for a very short period of time. It's only for like a few seconds, but yep, the Badgley field goal, fourth and three, Dan Campbell being in the fourth and three situation, they kick the field goal, go up 24-7, which, yep. you know, to take the points, people, you know, mm-hmm. the, the traditionalists, like, yeah, they'd be totally right. You got up 24-7. to seven. There's really not much to complain about going up 24-7. to seven. Right. Do you think Campbell, should they have went for it in that situation? To me, in hindsight, 2020, I would say, oh, yeah, they should have went for it just because like, <laughs> they're 18 of 21 when they're four right. and three or less. But at the same time, that, that the momentum switch could have started happening there. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I thought they might consider it, but I thought it was the right decision to go up three scores um, right. at that point. Um, 
And then like that second, fourth and three that you talked about that, that hit Josh Reynolds in the hands that he, that, that started, that was kind of like the catalyst that started the dominoes. Mm -hmm. I agreed with going for it there as well. Um, I I agreed with that. And then when we get to the third one, the one where you have a chance to tie the game because you're down three and you, and you have a chance to kick the 48 yard field goal. I thought they should kick it in the moment. I said, kick it. And I know analytics point against it, but like I was looking at that saying, you almost have to stop the bleeding. But as I've had time, so I get that instinct to say, kick it because that was my instinct. Also the 48 yard field goal, but I think it's on the other side of the field this time, right? Yes. Going going the the other way. Yeah. Um, But they, I totally get, looking back and saying uh you know the analytics point towards going for it plus this is how you get there this is how you got to this game yeah no I, by, I, by doing yeah, it i'm in yep i i totally understood it like i was like 51 percent kick it 49 percent go for it like i had a slight lean to go for it and i thought they might kick it because again stop the bleeding type of thing I totally understood though going for it in that situation as well because that's what they've done. And again, I don't think Campbell's sitting there like getting his calculator out and looking at statistics right on the side. Well, they've like, got guys that are in their head that are they do. kind of paying attention to all that, letting the, them know. They, they absolutely do. But I think when the bottom line comes to it, this Campbell is just going to go with what his instincts tell him. Well, and, we saw that the Dallas game. Well, we've seen that a million times already. Yes, in the yes. But the Dallas yes. game really sticks out, <laughs> right? And so, it's a live by the sword, die by the sword type of thing. And I think it's paid off more than it's not. And and I, I can't. I understand the kick the field goal crowd, but I also completely understand why Campbell did what he did, um, because he's done it over and over. And I that's and I love that about him. Like, you know what I mean? I love that aggressiveness. I want a coach that's aggressive and he was aggressive in that situation. And I totally get it. Now, third quarter, the issues offensive, we'll talk about issues offensively and issues defensively. The big one when you know, the meltdown was occurring, you know, Gibbs fumbles, the Gibbs fumble, who knows why he did. He didn't pick up on whatever play it was on that. But like yeah. the other issues are, this, I don't know if it's a Ben Johnson thing, if it's an offensive line thing or what, just getting in that second and nine situation where you have this top-notch running game and here they are and they're getting like one yard, one yard on that opening play of the series. It really puts mm-hmm. them behind the eight ball. And, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, it's the issues we had the whole season with the third quarter. I don't, you know, I yeah. don't know if they do a good job adjusting, you know, in game, whether, you know, it's, whether it's after the first couple series and then they obviously do a good job in the fourth quarter. It's just that third quarter for whatever reason, like half yeah. time is not good for them. They've yeah. got to really evaluate like game Why? planning going into third quarters. Over yeah. The off season. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm with you. Like, I mean, Shanahan is a great uh, he's known Ugh. for his ability to adjust. Yeah, like that's I, his I thing. Yep. Right. Um, and for, and the lines just, they, they couldn't like, for example, that first fourth, that fourth down that hit, hit Josh Reynolds in the hands. I thought they should have ran it because like they were having, they were gashing them on the ground right. because San Fran hadn't really adjusted to the run yet. Mm-hmm. They eventually made that adjustment to the run, which is why it became harder um, down the road. But 
I getting into the they they had been doing such a good job getting into not getting into bad spots, right? And we've talked about this all postseason, right? You've talked about like they've never really put themselves in a bad spot where they had to make a decision, like up until the championship game. Like the other two games, they were constantly getting themselves into good spots where the decisions weren't overly difficult to make. Right. And so right. that's kind of how it was for the first half. Um, right. They were never in bad spots. All right. And now flipping over the defensive side of the defensive side of the ball is easy. Like anybody could tell you the problems on the defensive side of the ball is it's because yeah. it's the, they, they attacked the issues, right. You know, yep. poor outside corner play, you know, yep. and, and that's a function of, you know, not the greatest outside corners. And we're going to get into them position by position in another episode. So we won't get delve too deep into it there. Um, mm-hmm. Poor tackling, which really never killed them in any of the other games, but really killed them in this game, you know? And then the other one is, uh, well, just lacking, you know, a pass rush at times. And yeah. then also containing a quarterback with any type of mobility. You know, Brock <laughs> Purdy's not, uh, um, uh, Lamar Jackson, but like he can move a little bit and then, I, and just, you know, it's just, everything else is going wrong yeah. and he's going to rip off 21 yard runs. It's like, what, what you know, what are you going to do? We're not going to see that in the Super Bowl, probably. Yeah, no, I think you can tie those two together because I think the only reason Purdy was able to get loose was because the tackling was not as efficient as it needed to be. Right. Like they were, they were really good tackling team through the first two rounds of the playoffs their tackling um, fell apart in this, in the second half of that game. And because of that poor tackling, it allowed Purdy to get loose on a couple of runs that he probably shouldn't have, or, you know, maybe wouldn't have in other games. But um, the Lions have two glaring weaknesses on defense. Glaring. Glaring. (laughs) Outside corner play and outside of Aiden Hutchinson, no one else can get a pass rush. And so the 49ers focused on Aiden, took Aiden away for the most part, and that allowed the pass rush to dissipate. You you basically had the op- – Aiden was on the opposite side of Trent Williams. So they basically focused all their attention doubling and tripling on Aiden and then just let Trent Williams be Trent Williams and shut down the other side, and then that was it, right? Like that was – there wasn't a whole lot they could do. Now the Lions started blitzing a little bit, but Purdy made some quick decisions, and so he was able to supersede that. Um, but the blitzing, you know, that's what they've had to do before. They did it there, and it, it kind of worked. But they, once they took kind of Aiden, or they eliminated, limited Aiden, that reduced the pass rush. And if you're going to reduce the pass rush and you have sloppy outside corner play, you have to tackle. And when you don't tackle, it's just this, those three things together just made it where it was, you're running into problems. And this isn't new. Like this is what, what's been there all season. Right. I mean, this is, this is probably why we didn't think that they were going to maybe win more than one playoff game was because of this. Right. And so if they would have gone to the Super Bowl and still had these problems, boy, oh boy, it would have been like something. Right. (laughs) Right. But like, well, they and might so, have, you know, like there's no, they almost did. If right? a couple yeah. of things go differently, like they would have been in the Super Bowl with these these same problems. Right. Hmm. Um, but like now you go into the offseason, you know where your problems are, right? Like 
you have a couple of pending problems with like free agency contracts, but like, you know where your problems are. And if you can fix those problems, you become a better team. And so, yeah, but again, starting to get off season talk, but like, right. There wasn't a whole lot that they could do different other than they just needed to be more efficient. And they were very efficient in the first half, not as efficient in the second. And it, and it kind of, it adds up, right? One little thing here, one little thing here. And all of a sudden it's like, it becomes a bigger problem. And, and so that's really what the game was about. You saw these little plays add up to bigger problems on both sides of the ball in the third quarter. And that's why they gave up 17. All right. Underrated problem. And I could be wrong about this. Maybe you could set me straight on it. Derek Barnes gets hurt. Oh, yeah. And that changes everything because you watch later in the game, you're watching the third quarter, you're watching the fourth quarter, like Anzalone's late getting there a lot of the times in these plays and he's missing tackles. And part of me wonders is like, cause this is the Anzalone we hated, you know, that the, the, I, I shouldn't, that, that's the wrong terminology, but when you get upset right. in last season, and the season, but the first two seasons with Anzalone is yeah. that like he's late getting to plays and he's missing tackles, but is that it, it's re- reared its head in the championship game with, because he loses Derek Barnes and now he's trying to do too much. That's what I thought. Watching no, it. It's I, like he's trying to cover for losing Barnes, which should be an indictment a little bit on Jack Campbell, not as much on Malcolm Rodriguez because we kind of seen what Malcolm Rodriguez, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez kind of hit his his peak last year. You know, it's a rookie, and he's he is who he is as a player. It seems anything can the light switch could click on for him, and his play could improve. But I thought losing Barnes was huge to like what happened to Anzalone in the second half. And I could be wrong on that. No, I I, look, I agree with you because I think Barnes is your best tackling linebacker against the run. Like he's your best tackling linebacker against the run, and it's I don't think it's close. So the way they had to adjust to make up for Barnes is it wasn't as easy as just like a one for one. Like you would, you would hope that you could just plug Jack Campbell in and then go with it. And they tried to do that in like two linebacker sets, but their game plan called for them to use a lot of three linebacker sets because they were trying to get five on the line in order to stop the run. Because that was their primary focus. Right. And San Francisco doesn't play a ton of three wide receiver sets, anyways. Exactly. Exactly. So the game plan was we need three linebackers. And when you and when you lose Barnes and then in, in a game where you're just playing a more traditional team with three wide receivers, you just plug Jack in at Mike and you're playing Jack at Mike and you can keep Anzalone at will. And that's what that could it should have been an easy adjustment. But in this situation, because of the three linebackers, they kept Jack at that like Sam where he's like trying to, you know, set the edge on the outside. And they didn't move Anzalone off the will, which means your backup will and Malcolm was playing the Mike. And that's a hard ask. And he's doesn't have those Mike capabilities that you get from some of the like from a Derek Barnes. And so it did force Anzalone to overreach and, 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 and get in why he was late on things. I think he was trying to, to cover for the lack of Derek Barnes. Um, I, you know, Malcolm got a pick. So you can, I mean, but again, that was him right. dropping in the yeah. coverage, not him yeah. stopping the run. Yep. So, I mean, I, I, again, 
I don't think Malcolm's built for that. What I would have liked to have seen was when they're in three sets, maybe push Anzalone back to the mic and bring Malcolm in at the will, but that's not the approach that they wanted or the, and that's not the approach that they took. I even, you know, because you have three guys that can play the mic and, and, and that's Anzalone Barnes and Jack Campbell, but you only have Barnes and Campbell that can play the Sam right now. And so Anzalone's best at the will. And then your backups in Malcolm and Jalen Reeves Maben are also both, both best at the will. So when you lose Barnes and you're, and you want to keep Jack at the mic at the Sam logic to me says, move Anzalone to the mic, use one of your backup wills at will, but they didn't want to do that because they were trying to keep their best players on that side of the field. And that's why they wanted to keep Anzalone there. Right. And so that, and so in turn, that leaves them with a backup will at a starting mic spot. And so that's really hard. It's a hard ask of a player and it's a hard, it's a hard situation to be in. If they had someone like, for example, if James Houston was like further along than just his first game back, maybe you would use James Houston in a Sam role. If you have a Sam on the roster, which is a, a role that they were looking for all year, and it's going to probably be someone that they're going to try and get in free agency or in the draft. If they have a more natural Sam, then you have the backup in Jack Campbell, right? And so then you're, you're going to be okay. And they just didn't have the bodies to run the exact personnel that they wanted. And so I agree with you that Derek Barnes injury did kind of unravel how the linebackers played. And it, it, what was a surprising strength, uh, uh, a strong unit for the Lions all season. Right. Yeah. Oh, was, yeah. Was stretched. Surprise. Yeah. was stretched a little bit thin uh, in, in the championship game. So could you have adjusted your defensive approach? Yeah, you probably could have. Maybe you could, should have. Could they have adjusted their personnel differently? I think they could have done that too. Um, but they tried to, they tried to basically just one for one it. They're like, if we just replace one player instead of like replacing four or five players by shifting them around, they think they thought their ability to be successful was, they thought they'd have a better chance of being successful. And, uh, maybe that was their best outfit. You know what I mean? It's hard for us to tell, but I thought they could have done a couple other things. And, but I think they were trying to reduce the amount of, uh, you know, moving pieces there. All right. Fast forward, last drive for the Lions, yes. which you could see comes like they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna be able to just bomb right down the field and score. Cause like mm-hmm. th- things are kind of back together. Things are kind of sewn back together late in that game. Mm-hmm. Right. Except for you know, except for the 49er score right beforehand. But they still have a chance, this outside chance. And you know, they they take it all the way down to the goal line, they run on the first on the on the uh, the third down play you know and they the clock goes and they have to call timeout and then they throw the touchdown pass on fourth down now yes. you only have two timeouts you only have 56 seconds left should they have a pulled the madden and when they got down around the madden video game madden mm. not the actual john madden when they got because he he, he might have thought of this if he stayed in coaching for longer but they get down to like san francisco they're down at the 16 yard line with like a minute 37 left 
And that's mm-hmm. when they chew the clock. They go from a minute 37 down to a minute 16 in that period of time. You could have right. kicked the field goal there, had your three timeouts, then kick it deep. Or you mm-hmm. could have just thrown the pass to Williams on third down instead ran Montgomery on third down before it's called yeah. a timeout before fourth down. And maybe you score, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. But then at least the clock has stopped for your fourth down play. And you have a little bit more time to call three time and still have three timeouts. Right. Did you like what was what happened there at the end? No. All right. Um, we're in agreement. <laughs> I, I, okay. I, I was okay going for the touchdown when you're that close. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're inside the red zone, I'm okay going for the touchdown. I can't argue that, but th- there um, is that other theory out there that you sure. kick the field goal and you have more time. Yep. Nope. I get it. I get it. I would have, I would have gone for it. I, I, I would have gone for the, the touchdown in that situation because you'd been having a hard time stopping the 49ers. So right. like, yep. I, I think you should have gone for the touchdown. Um, what I, the, the big problem I had was, and I don't even care about running. Like I know a lot of people are upset about the run because you got stuffed on that run. Right. I don't even care about that run. What I care about is if you're going to run, you have to have another play call right behind it. Like you had to go into that third down saying we're going to run. And if we don't yeah, get in, two plays this is our play. Exactly. Yeah. The fact that you burn that timeout meant you had to recover the onside kick. Right. There were no other options. Yep. Yep. And so even if they didn't have, so like even when they didn't have that play ready, they still should have just been like, run the clock, let the clock run, get the play in and just call the play. Like to call a timeout in that situation negated your ability to stop uh, the 49ers. If you don't get it. Yep. The ability to have a chance to win the game. Correct. (laughs) You know, Yes. It could still so, could have been very unlikely. Same thing with Todd yes. Bowles. It's like they saw what Todd Bowles did. They got to talk, well, and, and what Campbell, you know, and what the Lions pulled at the same time yeah. to opening the door for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. But like it just shifted in a different way. It manifests itself at the end of this game where it kind of yeah. botched at the end. You know, and I agree. It may, no. it may have been for naught because like things were desperate at the end, anyways. They mm-hmm. it might, like you said, like, okay, they either do what I you kick that field goal and then kick it deep or score yeah. the touchdown, kick it deep or score the touchdown onside kick, but still have three timeouts, you know, like it could all have been for not because San Francisco with the way they were playing, they could have just right. got a couple of first downs and ended the game anyways. Correct. But, Correct. Yeah. Well, just one. Not they even just have the opportunity at it. Yeah. yeah they would have needed yeah. one. In, in my mind, in my mind, when you, you cannot call a timeout there, you had to either just roll with it and call another play or, you had to have two plays called on that third down. And I look the way that San Fran lines up is they're going to give you what looks like an open rushing lane. And then you can, if you get off the ball, you can create that rushing lane. And they can score. We saw it earlier. They scored on that, that scenario earlier in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were down on the line, they ran it, they ran it right in earlier in the game. Um, so again, I don't fault the decision to even run it, but you have to have, you cannot call timeout. The timeout eliminated all their chances because if they onside kick, you have all three timeouts to stop the clock. Right. Yeah. You right? still have and another then, opportunity. Right. Yeah. And, and who cares? And like, you, you might get the ball back with like 12 seconds, but it doesn't matter. Like you're still got still... the ball back with 12 seconds. Exactly. Still have a chance. Exactly. And so, yeah, that, that timeout, cause I, I mean, I was, 
I was in the press box internally screaming uh, when <laughs> when they didn't get the ball, when they didn't run in it on third down. I was like, you got to go for it. You got to go for it right now, right now, right now. Go, go, go. And uh, he called that timeout, and I was like, all right, well, now you're in trouble because now you have to get the onside. And now you're going to score, but you have to get the onside kick here. And uh, I think that was the end. That was the biggest thing I disagreed with. Like, you can argue going for it on fourth downs. Like, again, I was 50-50 on one of them, agreed with it on the other ones. But that timeout, that was the the biggest error. The death knell the, of the team. It was. It was. Like, and I know the final like, nail even, in the coffin. But, to, I, but and, and I NBA and I get, jam terminology. <laughs> and I get the fact that you're still a first down away from losing the game, even if you have your timeout, right? Like like even if they had that third timeout, one time one first down from San Fran in the ball, and the game's over, essentially, right? I get that. But at least you took away your chances by calling that timeout, and that was the uh, that was the thing that I think I was the most frustrated with because you know we've seen we've seen a lot of uh, really smart decisions, we've seen a lot of really aggressive decisions. Uh, that one was an error on on, on my uh, in my opinion. And look, it's you know I think we've. Campbell's been in the league three years, right? Like he's, he's not going to make a perfect call all the time. So, or he's been in a decision-making role as a head coach for three years. So three years plus 12 games as an interim coach, right? Or right. Um, So, but the good ones will get it right all the time. And not, and I think Campbell's, I I shouldn't say that because Campbell is a good coach. Yeah. It's just his shortcoming because everybody's got shortcomings and everything. Like his is, game management at a certain point time management at the end of half i'm okay with you i'm 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 full out with the aggressiveness i'm on the side yeah. but some, like sometimes this timeout management this clock like we've seen it these last two games is not the best you know yeah yeah it's an it's an area he can improve like he's not you know he's he's not mistake free and but that's there's not a lot of get, not a lot of coaches that are the <laughs> there you go just to see different scenarios, play out yeah. different scenarios. Um, you're not upset at Ferkser, right? I know there's some upsetness no. of him. Yeah, the same he's, here. He's the third string tight end who never catches fourth. Yeah. He's well, the, yeah, like, I right. mean, like, yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's way down on the depth chart. And yeah, and, and in all honesty, which with Zilstra not even playing the season, you could argue he was fifth. Yeah, like he shouldn't fifth. even have been on the roster. Like in all honesty, right. so like, no, I. I He's he's a he's a, a veteran tight end who was brought in for a role he it was it, which is mostly a blocking role, and uh, they tried to get you know there's I don't there's no no issue no issue he did his best like and that's a tough spot to be in Lions are trying to get creative and trying to catch the 49ers not paying attention and they just that's part of the game. All right, you have. Uh... We move on from the game. Did you want to add anything from the game? I think we. I don't uh, think so. I think we've thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> I if, agree. If, if everybody's listening hasn't heard it beaten to death enough over the last week. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think overall, like I'm, I'm okay with it. You know. I. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to. It's not your choice anymore. You got to no, be okay right. with it because right. That's the reality. <laughs> um. But I mean, like, uh, I'm content with 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 how this season went, and yeah, it was uh, a great year. 
and you know, everybody's, you're going to learn, right? You're going to learn from, from mistakes. They're going to go back. They're going to rewatch all the games of all the seasons and, uh, you know, from this season and try and, uh, you know, analyze what they did right, what they did wrong, how they can improve your retain. The fact that you're retaining all three coordinators is, uh, I think going to be ex- very helpful for them and, uh, and being able to learn those lessons, right. You're not going to be breaking in a new system. You're not going to, you, you're hopefully being able to take that next step by, you know, not making those mistakes you made this season again. And so I'm, uh, I'm left optimistic and uh, you know, it's, it's, it was a good, it was a fun season. And I, I think that's where we need to, I know that I know there's a lot of people that can't, that aren't there yet, that aren't ready to reflect on, on the season as a whole. But uh, I'm, I'm at that point. I'm, I'm to the point where I'm already looking back and, and, and thinking fondly and uh, you know, trying to, trying to, uh, you know, be excited about what we got to see. And, uh, and like I said, what we get to see moving forward. All right. We're, we've mentioned already a couple of times, we're not going to go into a, a player by player breakdown for the season. We're going to do that in the upcoming weeks, you know, as we start laying out the, what the plan, what we would expect the plan to be in the off season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we'll do, um, we'll do like a, like a roster reset where we'll go over position by position. Who's on the roster. Who's a free agent, um, restricted free agent, uh, all that stuff. And then we'll talk about like each situation, who we think is going to be back. Who's probably gone. Um, we'll talk about, we'll get into, you know, the the free agency as we get closer to march we'll start talking more about free agency as we get in we're going to start talking about draft i think really soon as well because there's all kinds of draft stuff going on you're out of time for the draft it's, it's oh i know i'm a month senior I'm a month bowl behind. east west shrine game right and uh and then you know i think we'll we will probably throw a couple mailbags in there which tends mm-hmm. to be a fun off season uh or you know winter uh activity for us right there's a lot, lots of fun stuff planned. Um, and because most of that, most of our focus is going to be moving forward in our upcoming podcasts, we should probably take a little bit of time to just reflect uh, on the season. And like, I'm interested to, to hear some of your thoughts. Like uh, if you had any like, favorite moments or favorite players or like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just want to kind of like spitball and reflect on the season a well, little bit here. See what favorite, favorite moments got to be for me is, you know, it's the Barnes interception because they're going to the mm-hmm. NFC championship game. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that I mean, was that's, great. that's, that's an easy one to point out because you know, it's the, one of the most recent things that happened and, you know, had the mm-hmm. biggest, biggest po- uh, positive impact, you know, I, I don't, I don't know other other plays and just looking at it it was a great season overall like it's hard to pick you know from, well, here, from I, these I, games just none of them have a dramatic well the chiefs game you know just because that was like hey the another interesting yeah. this is it didn't really say it at the time because mm-hmm. hey, it was just a win the chiefs didn't have travis kelsey or or, or chris jones 
right. right in the game. So, and a lot of people downplay that when even Mike Tirico at the end of the game downplayed the, the win. But at yes. the same time, now that you look back on it, it's like, well, that's the that was the the the, the that was Lions saying, "Hey, we're here, and we're not. Yep, we're going to be one of the teams in the middle of all this, and they were all the way to the end." You know, that's a that's a great you know moment. Um, you know, beating the Packers in Green Bay again, although that was sullied by losing to the Packers on Thanksgiving Day. Yep. Uh, the, the field goal, the defeating you know the the Chargers, you know that kind of mini comebackish yep. against the Chargers. And just I having think, a couple of dominating the Buccaneers game, a dominating performance, Raiders game, dominating performance. You know, there's a lot of if, great moments. The iffy, iffy uh, interception to clinch the NFC North, I thought right, was yeah. uh, an yeah. exciting moment. Like it, it was, it's, it's crazy how like a couple of we had a couple of those interceptions to end games, right? Iffy beating in Minnesota, and then Barnes to to beat Tampa Bay. Um, one of the mo- one of the biggest moments from the Chiefs game was the branch interception, right? right. Like yeah, it was with the those six six, right? And so, like, it's when you like look back and you think about some of like the better moments of the year, three of them were interceptions, like that right. that created really memorable moments. Um, I mentioned this uh, previously, like I thought the the Craig Reynolds block to uh, in tampa bay to free up mm-hmm. amon raz i thought that was my like, right yeah that, that yeah, was one yeah. of my favorite moments um so there, there's a lot of like really cool moments and i think like we could probably like go back and like each game we could probably come up with like oh man that was my favorite moment from that game or you know what i mean <laughs> yep. <clears throat> because there was a lot of them uh it is interesting to me like I think the interceptions are are the most interesting because they were like they were like we did it moments, right? right. Like and, and those those things I think resonate the most. And and like we said, three interceptions that basically were statements that were look how good we are and uh and and, and you know or we clinched the north and or now we're going to the NFC championship. And so it was just, uh, it was a bunch of huge moments like that. It was a, a whole bunch of these little, like significant moments that I think people will be able to reflect back on it and, uh, enjoy with, uh, you know, a real positive memory. Who's your offensive team MVP? I know people are going to want to say Jared Gawk because he had such a terrific season, but I think Panay right. Sewell is such a dominating player. Uh, he's going to be my MVP for offensive MVP, team MVP. Um, he is. He stepped into a leadership role. He was a captain this year. He was the guy who broke down the huddle. He's uh, made a, his second Pro Bowl. He made. He was an, he was an All Pro. Uh, it's just. Sewell is such a dominating force and he is the foundation that this team is built on. Like he is everything. And uh, still potentially he's 22. Is he 22 or 23? Three. three. So they potentially um, still have another 17 seasons. of it's Unbelievable. Right. Stay like, healthy. like we just saw Trent Williams, right. Nearing the end of right. his career. Playing that, this Panay is that much. He's basically that. I think he's thirty six, but that that Panay is basically him. Like we, th- like we're going to see a guy who is going to dominate for another decade plus, and 
He's going, you're going to pay out the nose for him, but he's going to right. be worth every penny. Yeah, every he's penny. Not be the spot you're going to worry about. Yeah. No. And, uh, yeah, he is, he is everything that you want in a young talent. He's, remember when he was drafted and we talked about him potentially being the best offensive yeah, line in the league? He is. He's, he's, a, he's almost he's a, there. I don't know if I he's think, there. He's, he's almost there. He's, he's probably top five. Uh, he's the best he's getting close yeah uh, in my mind he, he it's it's there he he's at that moment it's a i'm so impressed by him and uh i think all of our excitement when he was drafted is uh starting to see it come to fruition i'm sure we're going to draft a guy this year that's going to be older than Panay sewell and everybody's going to bring it up and so this guy's already this older than Panay sewell i mean for me the offensive team mvp you said it, it because me, it is Goff because, you know, he proved the doubters wrong in a way. It, like he had a great season, although it is easy to go after Sewell because he's an all pro. It's easy with Amon Ra because he's an all pro. And, you know, those are my two favorite players on offense, Sewell and Amon Ra. Amon Ra mostly because, you know, he's been shortchanged all the time, at least in his own mind. And, you know, that that that's a great as a driver. And, you know, we've always liked Sewell. Uh Ragnow, the, the the offense performed more poorly when Ragnow wasn't in the game. So you can make arguments that he was the offensive team MVP. And uh, but I don't know. To me, it's Goff because Goff man, he, he showed a lot of maturity this year, and he he drove the whole fan base to just all out believe in him. So I guess uh-huh. I'll go with Goff. So good thing we both didn't have Goff. No, but I I, I think you're right, and I think that could be an easy. That's you, I went the easy way out. No, but I think you might be right though, too. You know what I mean? When you start like like what he was able to accomplish. Um he's there's there's I mean, there's national media coming out saying, Boy, was I wrong. You know what I mean? Like, boy, was I okay. wrong about him. And uh he did create such a unification um of the city, of the fans in the playoffs and <laughs> Boy, I mean, look, the fact that he was able to, the fact that the Lions were able to beat the Rams, I think was such a well, massive. That was everything to him, I bet, yeah. Oh, huge. Like, that was such a justification. Like, you just felt so. Uh, well, felt, I mean, uh, you like could argue all... the Lions roster is better than the Rams roster. No, I it agree. Just, it was a, just the function of that is the yes. only reason why he won, but go keep going. But still, no, but, but the perception is, is right. that, yeah, it was, it was there and like the fans embraced him. And, and so, yeah, I know it, I think he answered a lot of the questions that were out there and um, he's going to have a contract. He's going to have a payday coming his way too. He's going in the final year of his contract and um, you're going to use a, a portion of that cap money to get him on an extension. And uh, so, look, they're, you're not going to be able to pay everybody, but there are a few guys that they're going to have ticketed for pay raises, and golf's going to be one of them. Um, yeah, and we'll talk about that that extension. We won't, won't talk about that because a lot of people would still say, well, he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and sure. you can't say he is until he actually does it. So, yeah, <laughs> like, no, I get it. They, they win that argument, but sure. Um, yeah, they, they, really remarkable what he did, and he's he's got to feel great about because I'm sure yes. he felt terrible when he got traded and oh, basically yeah. leading up to it, like how his coach totally, you know, 
turns scapegoated him. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sure. made him the issue. Traded, had him traded away, and you know he yeah. had to feel pretty low because I, throughout his life he mostly on top. You know, like you were always mm-hmm. the best quarterback, always the best player. Now he probably doubted himself a little bit, or maybe he didn't. That's why he ended up turning things around. And just to have uh, Campbell and Holmes and the whole crew behind them believing in him and. You know, and they and they've probably golf has probably exceeded even what they expected out of them. I would get. They'll oh, never agree. say it, but you know, that's what I would guess. I I would agree with that. I would agree with that for sure. Defensive MVP. <clears throat> it's an easy answer again for me. I think it's Hutchinson. You get a hundred plus uh, pressures on the season. You're you're the most dominating player they have up front. Um, you got a lot of average to above average players behind him that I thought played very well. Uh, the youth is stepping up um, guys, every, you know, rookie second and third year players are really playing at a high level. And that's, you know, a big part in why they were so successful, but really Aiden without Aiden, this team is nowhere near where they could be. And so it'd be hard for me to put another guy in competition with him. Not even my pick for defensive MVP, Ify Melifonwu. Oh. Well, look, he because he changes the defense when he when his light bulb completely, and he probably can't be the MVP because he didn't have a strong season from beginning to end. But right. when when his switch flips, the defense changed everything. Totally yeah. changed, yeah. And yeah. where it was kind, of, you know, we were at a point in the season because that was where the Lions were struggling a bit. It's like ugh, maybe they don't win. It looks they'll win the division because they're far enough ahead, but it's like. I don't know if this team's going anywhere and that's going to suck if they lose that first playoff <laughs> game, you know, and then he shows up and he's a big difference maker, turning the ball over, making big plays in the backfield. And, you know, he made a big difference in the time that yeah. like once, once things went on, and that's why he'll be my defensive MVP, just so we have different MVPs. I do get <laughs> Hutchinson. He's the most, he's the player of most consequence on the defense. Yeah. Some could argue Aline McNeil in there too, but I think Hutchinson had a better season than him, but I'll say Melifon MVP of the defense because of how it shored up the defense late in the year. I tell you, it's such a juxtaposition from where, we entered training camp. Like we entered training camp saying most likely it's Kirby Joseph and Tracy Walker at safety Mm -hmm. and, and CJ Gardner Johnson at nickel. And then Brian branch plays so good that he bumps Gardner Johnson to safety. Gardner Johnson then, you know, bumps Tracy. Yeah. And then he, Oh yeah. Sorry. I'm I'm getting ahead of you. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Right. And so then he bumps Tracy, uh, then he gets hurt, then Tracy's back in. And then now if he then comes on, bumps Tracy back down, Gardner Johnson returns, and he can't even break in, really. Like, I think they're giving him time because they need, because they needed it. But to have going now at the end of the season, it's Kirby and Iffy both under contract next year and Brian Branch under contract. Like, you have your nickel safety combos set. Like you don't like you're gonna want to add depth, but like I don't. Gardner Johnson's a free agent. Who knows what's gonna happen with him? Who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah. Tracy Walker has a very very high contract, and he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. It probably means he's probably not gonna make it out, and that's an unfortunate thing to say. It means he's he's probably not gonna make the roster. Like it's very sad for me personally because I like Tracy quite a bit, and when they brought him back, they gave him a big deal because 
they thought he was going to be a big part of it. And it just, the youth just overcame him over. Right. They just played better. They had higher upside. Brad Holmes it, defeated it, Tracy Walker. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, found a bunch of guys that he could play instead. And like, I, I also think the light bulb for if he coming on is a good indicator of like how some of these guys are drafted, right? Like if you're drafted by Brad Holmes in the first or second round, you're expected to be a contributor. But if you're drafted in the third round, you might not compete till year three because that's the expectations. Like, so like everyone's looking at Broderick Martin, right? In the third round saying, man, right. you well, a lot. Yep. If you're drafted in the third round or beyond, you may be on that slow learning path. Like, and I think Broderick, what is on that slow learning path where he, it, maybe he's ready to contribute more next year, or maybe he's it's, it's year three for him. And I think when we look forward, we're going to have to like keep these ideas, ideas in mind. Like they're going to have two picks in the first two rounds and then they have two third round picks, but are those third round picks going to be able to break into a roster? That's going to be pretty deep. Or they are they going to be picks like for the long term? And then, as fans, we have to be patient and wait for those light bulbs right. to click on because when they do, holy cow! Look at what you know. Look at what we've seen. Yeah, look so what they have developed. Yep. Right. And and if he is a great example, and I think is a huge feather for Brad Holmes. And yes, if his injuries set him back, um as a rookie and as a, as in his second yeah, year. Yeah, maybe this would have happened in year two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, but you have to be encouraged because it wasn't like he just had a game or two. He had multiple games down the stretch where he was more impactful than he was the most impactful player in their secondary. You know what I mean? Like, and I think Brian branch is the second best player on this defense. I thought if he was still maybe more impactful down the stretch. So, um, I look, I agree because he wasn't contributing in the first half of the season again because of injury. Um I, I you could there's an argument there against your you yeah, picking yeah. him. Well, but, I, I understand. But but, it, but if we're just talking the back half, boy, I think you have a very good case because it's hard to argue against him because he was so impactful on the back half of the season. Right. All right. Did you want to do special teams MVP? It's going to be Jalen Reeves Maven was an all pro. That's special teams. Yeah. So yeah. I got I a know. feeling it's him. You can make a point about somebody <laughs> else. You could say Jack Fox, I guess, but I don't know. Jack Fox didn't have his best year. I thought he played big in big moments. Um, right. For, he for didn't pull, like, I, I think I texted you. He didn't pull a Sam Martin. There, you know, on one of his punts where you know, <laughs> right. shanked that punt, you know, after the Pettigrew. Um, uh, yeah. Um, non-call. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Pettigrew non-call. Like he, um, he went out there, and even if the the stakes were high, he still still blasted. You know, a seventy-yard punt that they uh, couldn't cover in time. He um, yeah, man, they had that. That was right. They were right there for that too. Just a right. uh, couple of misses, yeah, a couple of that. missteps. Yep, part um, of the meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it added to it for sure. But um, yeah, you know, I think look, Reeves may have been. Pro Bowl, All Pro, like that's he had a terrific season, and you know some of it was converting a fourth down, right, a couple of times, right. right. Uh, but I think he, his numbers have always been really high, right? Like he's always had high tackling numbers, high impact numbers on special teams. Uh, 
he, they only got him back on a one-year deal. He'll be a uh, unrestricted free agent, but I think he'll be a priority return, like one of their top five or six players of all their pending free agents that that they're they're going to target to try and bring him back because he was so uh, impactful. All right, I don't know. This might this might bring us to the end of the show. We do we should mention the Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, but that's Stitcher. Spotify Stitcher doesn't even <laughs> exist anymore. Spotify got a boost in ratings and both of them. Nobody had a written review, but that was great. You know, it's great. Yeah. We appreciate the ratings and everybody listening. That's awesome. Hopefully you guys keep listening. This is where we really hit our stride. We'll be in the off season. This is, this is yeah. Eric's wheelhouse. If you know, if you're new to listening, <laughs> Eric's wheelhouse is the, is the off season. We, we do do a good show in the, during the regular season, but when it comes to roster planning and roster moves and you know what we can see in the future, like this is, this is Eric's time. So this is where the, <laughs> the show, the show gets better. Even oddly enough, the show somehow gets better in the off season. <laughs> well, it's fun. This is the fun, like uh, this is the exciting part. Cause now you're getting them better for next year. And that's where your focus is. And uh, yeah, we got to play a little catch up on, uh, on learning, you know, like I'm, I'm about a month behind in my my uh my draft coverage, re- my like my film reviews and stuff like that. Good we did a, thing. I did a bunch during the season, so um, it's not like I'm I'm starting with bare bones or anything like that. But um, yeah, I'm diligently, you know, trying to build a a base draft board right now. I'm still sorting through like the players who have declared and who haven't and who was at the different bowl games and stuff like that. Uh, I'm going through that as fast as I possibly can, but uh, we've also got free agency to prep for and stuff like that. I've got a, I've got some articles coming out about specifically about like what the roster is going to look like because they have, um, so they finished the season with like 82 players on their roster, 53 of them on the active roster, 17 on the practice squad and 12 on injured reserve. And, of those 82, 39 of them are free agents, right? Uh, so I have 39 free agents, one international player, and then, or no, uh, 39 free agents, including in that is one is an international player. Uh, they have 43 players currently under contract. So they get like half their roster, they're going to have to make decisions on. Um, but, of those 39, like I said, one international player brings it down to 38. 20 of them are unrestricted. And then there's six restricted, strict, six exclusive rights, and then six that are like street free agents, meaning they can start negotiating early. Uh, but I got an article where I'm going to break, I'm breaking, I break down all their guys. And then when we talk next week, I think that's where our focus is going to be, where we're going to be talking about like, who are who's part of the roster who's not who should be back who's probably not like we'll we'll get into a lot more detail work on that so that listeners have a really good firm understanding of what the roster is going into the offseason where the needs are and uh you know where they can keep their focus on when it comes to free agency in the draft yeah well so that's it we you, 
we're not doing a two-week Super Bowl preview. That's not happening because uh, you know, we're not not involved. You know, sadly, who who do you want to win? Do you want San Francisco or neither? I want Kansas neither. City? Right? You want I, you want I, a tie? I, I, you know, still... the only way neither of them can win means a, a, a <laughs> catastrophe will happen during is... or before the game. So, like, I don't know if you want to root for that. No, it's weird. Like I, I have uh, right now. And maybe this will change. Right now, I have no interest in the Super Bowl because I'm yeah, still well, like, yeah, I'm, sure you'll watch I'm it. still no, I will, smart I will, I will, I no. will, and maybe and maybe I'll have a uh, a team that I prefer. But right now, I have uh, I don't even want to think about it. Like that, that's still it's still smarts. Yeah, like you said, it's yeah, it's it. still kind of hurt. So I, I'm not I don't have a favorite. Um, maybe I don't know. I tend to lean NFC, uh, just yeah, because you, yeah. right? right, but. Uh, it's a default, I guess, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a favorite or a team that I'm necessarily going to be pulling for. Do you? Uh, no, well, I don't know. I always like Kansas city as a kid because of the video game Tecmo super bowl. So they always have a soft <laughs> spot in my heart. I, I love Derek Thomas and Christian Okoye. They were, they were sure. great players in that game. So I'm usually on the Chiefs, side and I don't like the 49ers cause we lost to them. So I guess you could say sure. I'm for the chiefs. Uh, next Sunday, right. but I'm, I'm saved. I'm not doing a deep dive into the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I certainly, if you will throw insignificant Super Bowl trivia at me, I will. I will eat it up. I love insignificant trivia, as you as you well know. So, like, I'll be paying attention to that stuff. But as far as like you know, the nuts and bolts, of what's going to go in the game? Like, yeah, take it or leave it. Would it give you any solace to, um, if the 49ers won, to be like, well? The only team we couldn't beat is the Super Bowl champ. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? It, like uh, you could say that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but well, but if the Chiefs win, you can go, but we beat the Super Bowl champ. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like <laughs> on I, the and, road. I think Graham Glasgow said it best. The two teams that are in the Super Bowl are two teams where we went into their house and beat one and should have beat the other. Like that's who's playing in the Super Bowl. Two teams that the Lions yeah. should have beat on the road. Like yeah, that, you know, that tells you where they're at. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll default 49ers just to uh, balance our, our podcast out. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl next week. If if, if uh, we, we, we happen to do it back on schedule, that's the one thing that kind of stinks for our listeners. Now, I've had many people complain is that, you know, we're every Thursday, you know, Thursday night yeah. we tape, and then every Friday morning everybody sees it. But now we're in the off season, and we're all over the place. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I had a, uh, I had to cancel at the last minute. Uh, oh, and it's right. That's no big deal. Everybody should no. just get. You know, you might not get it exactly when you want, but at least there's not a game. You know, it's not going to mess no, with I hear game, you. your game preparation. Yeah. Uh, well, it's look. It's um, if they would have gone to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. Episode 300 would have been the Super Bowl celebration. Wow. Episode. We would so, have been part of the, the reverse jinx. I know. Like, um, by the time we get to number 300, they're going to win it all. So, inst- so instead, we're, uh, what are we at here? We're on episode, what, 298, right? And uh, it's going to have to be episode 350. To win this- <laughs> something like that, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know. Oh well, uh, it's it's an unfortunate. It would have been a, a fun little uh, anecdote, I guess. Yeah, sure. But um, insignificant trivia. Insignificant <laughs> <laughs> trivia. All right, that's it. That's all we got this week. So uh, until next time, let's go Lions.